the reason for this Dunkirk mini pod today is to say that stop applauding during movies. <laughs> yes, it's a PSA. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. Kapow! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> <laughs> well, considering what we're talking about today, I thought right. Kapow was appropriate. Well, so is Boom then. I know! Yeah. Yes, and so, and today we are doing a mini pod. Mini pod! Mini pod! Kirky pod. Of Dunkirk. <laughs> A, a kirky pod. Mm. Mm. Is, is it, is, at what point? At what point are we, uh, you know, being uh, assholes? <laughs> I think people like it. Okay, I, I, I'm fine with it. Whenever I'm, I talk about mini pods on Twitter, I always get replies where people, in all caps, with an exclamation point, go mini pod. I, 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 I'm at I'm at peace uh, with being an asshole. I'm just just saying. I mean, this is this is a this is a a serious moment in, in uh you know a war and we don't and americans we don't know about this shit no we didn't know this at all no hey, do you think in honor of the movie we should crank the volume up on this podcast <laughs> like 10 times okay so <laughs> it's interesting that that's a, a, a big takeaway that people are having with this movie because there is de- the subwoofer is getting some ex- like extreme workout yes yeah. <laughs> yes indeed. i watched this in imax <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and like there's that constant rumble going through the subwoofer it's not until about 10 minutes before the movie's over that it noticeably goes away right and i was like oh like i just (laughs) i had this feeling like ah my god that that constant was just all the way through it Mm -hmm. so well and i i think it's important to talk about that we should do it in the non-spoiler section here too because i'm concerned because I feel like with Inception and Interstellar and then this movie, Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan have decided that noise is the way to go mm. in a lot of these scenes. I remember when we talked about Interstellar, how there were scenes where the music and the soundtrack were so overpowering the dialogue. And it was it was intentional. It was obvious it was intentional. But I still wanted to hear that dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I'm just worried about where are we going to be three movies from now with these guys? Yeah. I, because... You can argue that in Interstellar and even this movie, it's important. Mm -hmm. He's obviously doing it on purpose in Dunkirk to put you in the mindset of war, right? We don't don't learn details about these characters because I feel like we're supposed to be a character in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the the sounds make a big difference. um, And it does make you really anxious, like you said. Yeah, I don't want to interrupt you, but like that's the problem with that score. There's, we'll get into it later on, but there's a part where the violins just keep going and going and building and building and getting louder. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do you really need that to heighten the tension when there's already enough ambient noise to be unsettling Mm -hmm. in the first place? And I think that's what you're saying is it's going to turn into just a wall of sound where the score is unnecessary. And dragged it along the string of a guitar. Mm-hmm. There's a section of this movie where that kind of noise is happening for 20 minutes yeah. to the point where I'm like, how is it still going up? Yeah. Like, how is it not all the way up yet? Yeah. Uh, and it's super noticeable. But, you know, because I was such a negative Nelly right out of the gate, let me state, I loved this movie. Yeah. Um, I fell in love with the shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. 
There are, as I said in my tweet, there are a handful of shots I want to frame and put on the wall immediately. I wanted the movie to linger on more than it did. Uh, maybe most notably, um, that shot of Tom Hardy gliding over the beach. Yeah. When yeah. it kind of gets quiet. What a great, yeah. Uh, the cinematography is amazing. And it, if you don't watch this and come out realizing Nolan is on a completely different level than almost everyone else, then I don't think you were paying attention. Yep. Or you were too distracted by Harry Styles. <laughs> he is distracting. Well, he's only distracting because he has a famous face. I actually thought he did a really good job in this movie. No, I mean, distracting in a pleasant way. He actually really impressed me. I did not mm -hmm. expect, A, he's got probably the meatiest performance. He kind of mm -hmm. does. And yep. B, he delivers. Yeah. 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 And an unusual structure to this movie I'd never seen before, too. I know. Yeah. They start off by saying, okay, this is about the mole. This is a week. Mm -hmm. This is a whole week that we're seeing. The next one is the sea, and that's like a day. Yeah. And then the third one is the air, and that's an hour. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, it took me a little bit, because they don't say one hour, this is how long this lasts. Right. They just say one hour. Yeah. And you're like, huh? And then finally, okay, I, I sort of got it halfway through. I was like, oh, okay. So this is all, these are all going to converge. Yeah. Oh, and it's yeah. awesome it's, what it does. It's, it's extremely awesome. I had never seen anything like that before. I'm sure there's some other movie in the world that's done this before. But. Yeah, but I mean, it's the perfect example of showing, not telling. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there there is no Kenneth Branagh narration voiceover saying, mm -hmm. this is what happened on this <laughs> yeah. day, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But, uh, but the, you know, one of the biggest slams on Nolan over his career is uh, being unable to shoot action and in this one I think he did a very good job. I agree. Um, I, I was reading on Reddit last night the, the thread about the movie and somebody was kind of upset that the dog fights were so simple mm -hmm. because nobody ever does anything more than a hard bank left or a hard bank right to yeah. get out of the situation and I'm like well I'm not sure those planes were capable of no, much more. They weren't doing Top Gun shit. Not to mention, <laughs> you know, the whole thing with Tom Hardy's character is his fuel and it's going down. And they even make a point early in the movie that, to say that, you know, doing those kind of moves or going to higher altitude is going to burn more fuel. Mm -hmm. And I, th I thought the dogfights were intense as hell. Yeah, yeah. they were they were um, perfectly well well done. They didn't need to have anything extra. You don't you don't ever lose track of who's where. Um, really good job, especially. Later in the film, when Tom Hardy's on his own and there's there's no need for him to talk to anybody, the, the visuals still give us a good idea of what he's doing, where his fuel gauge is at, and uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought the action was fantastic. And and this the the probably the most remarkable part of the story, and probably the reason why the story is even being told, is the the acts of common people getting their own boats and going over to this place because they didn't have they couldn't send naval vessels out mm -hmm. to this place because i guess the water was too shallow well yeah. that was part of it but there's also a line in there where they just decided not to right like, yeah, we yeah. need to save our ships well, for the next battle churchill says you don't win wars through evacuations yeah. or something like that um so just the remarkable story of all these just common people get like, all right, oh, I've got a boat. I can probably load 30, 40 people in my, you know, because they're thinking about getting 30,000 out of 300,000. Yeah. That's like their goal. That's right. like their only biggest hope out of this whole thing. And these guys show up and like totally turn that tide. Yeah. And that's the that's the emotional crux of the movie. And I think the, the main criticism that Dunkirk is getting is that you don't connect emotionally to the characters because I don't think any of them are, are actually named or mm -hmm. very few of them are named. And George. 
George, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the and then part, was it, is it the is Killian Murphy the fearless leader? Is that what was he one of the planes that he's, got? No, he's actually Killian Murphy is credited on IMDb and in the credits as like shivering officer guy uh, or something okay. really silly. It's the shivering soldier is his, is his credit. Shivering soldier. Yeah, now, yeah. The, we do see Killian Murphy before that when he forces those guys to stay in the water and won't let them on the rescue mm-hmm. boat and they mm-hmm. have to drag the rope. Yeah. Um, but uh, Michael Caine's in there somewhere. Yeah, he's the voice. The Tom Hardy guy. Yeah. He's like his boss, the R.A. Hate the voice talking over the over the radio. <laughs> yeah. Gets very emotional. Yeah, it gets very emotional. <laughs> gets very emotional indeed. <laughs> um, what else can we say non-spoilery? Well, I think, uh, as always, like, it happened in The Revenant. It happens, obviously, in Locke. He's the main character. But Tom Hardy steals this movie for me. Hmm. You know... I think he's a master of accent, like small changes. Mm-hmm. I feel like every movie he's in, he has a different sounding voice. Mm-hmm. Like the character in here was like 20% Bane, 30% <laughs> from Locke, 20% from Inception. But every movie, he's got kind of a different kind of voice. Uh, I actually think he did steal this movie uh, if Harry Styles didn't. Yeah. And there's what's funny to me is there's a whole character who almost says nothing the entire movie and we're following him from the very beginning you could easily have slid styles in there if you weren't sure of his acting and just let him you know emote yeah yeah. but they gave him all the lines basically um i think he probably steals it a little more than hardy but i thought hardy was great i don't know i was i was uh i I like those two guys a lot i like mark rylance a lot too Mm, and just mainly because it's it's easy to steal if you've got you know you've got a character that's doing what Tom Hardy's doing and what Harry Styles is doing. But Mark Rylance, a lot of his mm. uh, performances, uh, what he's expressing through his eyes and his just calm demeanor yeah, dra- yeah. D- during the whole thing, it uh, his that and we won't, we'll get into the spoilers later. But his character and that whole thing going on with his boat is the biggest moral dilemma of the entire yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, and um, and it's and it's and it's really done beautifully. And by the time you hear the whole story and everything and whatever, it's it, you know, you, there's like some real hard decisions that have to be made mm-hmm. in that in that thing. And he he carries that through really well, I thought. Um, but you're right. Hardy and Styles are going to be the showy, you know, steal the movie kind of people. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the what we're getting at is that the, those three really work in concert with each other from each of the different timelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in different ways, really, like, hold this whole thing together narratively because i don't i don't really get the whole criticism about this not being you know as emotionally impactful i think it was there was plenty to chew on there you mm-hmm. know yeah, yeah i think if your criticism is there's no real story then you just want it spoon fed mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. i mean this is definitely a non-conventional film because of the way he breaks up time and cuts back and forth because there's so little dialogue which in the spoilers we'll talk about how much he pays that off mm-hmm. um but i See lots of story, yeah, and lots of characters to connect to, um, and uh, I just, I just don't get it. I yeah, I mean, it's it. There's a different way of doing characters, and this is the. I mean, this this movie is very tight. It's an hour and forty five minutes long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the shortest Nolan in ages. Yeah, and I and and before I didn't know anything about it until I didn't know anything about the length until I went to go see it and I was looking at it and I was like, oh really? I was like prepared for the two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everything. Um. Uh. But uh, yeah, a lot of times movies like this. Uh, yeah, we don't need to have like 
them at the their house and talking to their wife yep. and like this is what they do when they're not at war and and then they go off and all this we don't need all of that that's not the situation but you there's a lot of like stories that you can come up with later as far as oh that that's a that was like way deeper than i thought it was going to be and everything uh it's 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 difficult to really express that because in a sense they're right yeah the characters aren't like super well developed but if you read into a lot of the things that are going on in the movie that's all you need to know mm -hmm. yeah it's just i just think it's an easy fallback if you didn't enjoy a movie very much to just go, ah, the story wasn't really there. The characters weren't really developed. There's plenty of movies with little story and little character development that are still awesome. Yeah. Like The Raid. Yeah. How much character <laughs> development do we get there? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, Man, exactly. I just want to see punching and kicking and stabbing. Hell, mm -hmm. The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I think this is a solid A for me. Oh, yeah. Solid A for me. I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm, I'm not prepared to rank it in... People always want to know on Twitter, like, how does it rank amongst the Nolan films? Like, oh, the Spider-Man. How does it rank among the Spider-Man films? Just like, give me a little time, yeah. people. I've got to probably see it again. Mm -hmm. I've got to put some space between my viewing. I, I cannot come out of a movie and immediately rank it against well, all other movies. There's that. I actually want to go see this movie again, like, right now. I strongly considered watching it again, mainly because of the stuff we brought up at the beginning of this podcast. I could not understand about six or seven big pieces of dialogue in yeah. this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and and I was worried it was just me because, I mean, I'm not like Jeremy here yeah. where, like it, where I can't hear out of, can't completely hear out of one ear. But there is definitely like old man syndrome <laughs> watching some of these movies. <laughs> I was a little worried that it was just me, but I was walking out and a couple guys behind me were like, I couldn't understand like a lot of the stuff they were mm -hmm. saying. And then I was like, Oh, okay, good. I'm not yeah. alone then. Well, and that's what I meant when I said, I'm getting worried about Nolan and Zimmer going down this path because I feel like definitely with interstellar, <laughs> there were moments like that where it was on purpose. They didn't want us to be able to hear what Anne Hathaway was saying as Matt McConaughey was approaching the, whatever event horizon they wanted me to hear yeah. <laughs> it is true though they i mean they have they have perfected that to uh, some sort of art quote unquote mm -hmm. question mark i don't know yeah i don't even um, know if i would call this score music yeah yeah it's a score but there's a lot more noise it's than not something that you're melody. gonna put on in the background <laughs> like actually actively no listen to. and that's that'll be interesting to see if he gets any kind of accolades and awards season because it's not you're right. It's not a listenable score, mm -hmm. but it is kind of perfect for what the movie wants it to be. Yeah, it's like cartoon scores. You ever listen to a cartoon score on its own? No. Because it's all like, you know, synced up to Tom mm -hmm. chasing. Like, did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? Yeah. Did it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right, we'll get into the spoilers now. Let's do it. No spoilers! Miss Luke's what? father is actually Darth Vader. She's the sister and the daughter. No, 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 no. I'm reading the books. So yeah, this this story, and I guess I went into a little bit in the in the last. I don't know if that was a spoiler or not about the how the how the common English folk got their got their boats and nah. went out there and everything. Mm. Uh, I feel like that's the reason the story is being told. Mm -hmm. So that's not a big thing. But um, uh, but uh, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the Mark Rylant stuff a lot, mainly because when they go and save Killian Murphy, the first thing he tells his son is. He shell shocked 
and that you know he he's not talking like a normal person and like they're going back to where he wanted to get the fuck away from yeah. mm-hmm. and you you so you sympathize with Killian Murphy but you're also a little wary of him mm-hmm. and so there is a point where Killian Murphy is so like beyond gone and wants to get the fuck out of there and wants to make sure this boat gets turned around that he does something on accident that he he kills the younger son you yeah, younger George son dead, yo. who um who who only went last second he yeah. jumped mm-hmm. on the boat at the very last second um and, and you know it was sort of underlining the tragedy of the whole thing now the older brother who doesn't know he's dead until like much later well that's that was a, a tremendous reveal by oh, the way Jesus. Mm-hmm. when they they they're getting the soldiers onto the boat and they're like, watch out for him down there and everything. He's like, watch out for what, mate? He's dead. Yeah. yeah. Harry Styles and, is like, he's dead, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so the challenge for the brother is to, does he want to exact revenge on this guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he's, I think he slowly learns. And by the end of it, he definitely has learned. Because Killian Murphy's like, is he okay? Yeah, and yeah. he tells him, yeah, he's okay, even yeah. though he knows he's dead. And Rylance gives his son that nod, yes. like, he's done the right thing. This too. is another reason why I think Rylance is going to have, is is going to be a little bit underrated in this, because he doesn't have very many showy dialogue moments. That's one yeah. that you're talking about there that got me. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, yeah, the sort of the, the complexities of war all told right there. And if you wanted to have... If you have a problem with characters and story and all that, you need to look no further than that part in the movie. Yeah. That tells you, that gives you all the depth that you really need all in just that one scene. There's Mm -hmm. a lot more, obviously, uh, that this movie gives. But that is, for me, the biggest moment in this movie. Yeah. That's why I'm saying that the, the C section of this whole thing was the emotional payoff. You get the action in the mole and on the beach and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get the visuals up in the, the aerial stuff. But then on the sea, it's an actual journey. Like you can see, like, I guess it's that middle ground where you can get the emotional impact as well as seeing how in perspective where everything lies, you mm-hmm. know, and Rylance and Tom Hardy both have this steely performance. They're completely calm mm-hmm. and shifting to Tom Hardy's character. When he's in the air, no matter what the fuck is going on, he's like, I got the bomber. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is totally calm voice. He's in the middle of a dogfight. Yeah. In this huge battle. And he's just like, all right, here's what's going on. His compatriot, uh, who I didn't even know who he was. He mm-hmm. looks, he's like a movie star. Good looks. Uh, but he stays calm that entire time when the, sh- the plane is sinking in. The, yeah. Just the steely demeanor. And like, all right, I'll figure this, this well, thing out. Well, and here's where Nolan is showing off, I think, in a good way with the cutting between stories. Because the first time you see that guy's plane go down, you think he's waving at Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hardy waves at him. Yeah. And then later in the film, when we cut to his perspective, yeah. he's putting his hand out there desperate yeah. to get out of that cockpit. Yes. And he's almost going to die. And you realize Tom Hardy's flying away going, hey, buddy. you made Yeah. It. yeah. Right, what job. a scene, by the Whipping way, when he sets that plane down on the water. God damn. Mm, I know. This movie is so beautiful. Yes, it is. It really oh. is. Um, I want to talk about the scene in the hull of the blue boat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Where for about 15 minutes, bullets come out of nowhere <laughs> at random times. And every single one of those goddamn bullets made me jump. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> because 
yeah, first they they say something about target practice. They're mm-hmm. very, they're they're out of the safe zone when they get in the boat. This is a beached boat. They're waiting for the tide to come in and take it out to sea. But they know that Germans are probably just right over the ridge and have used this boat for target practice. Mm-hmm. But then they're out on the water and there's a goddamn dogfight going on. Yeah. yeah, and some of those bullets are stray bulleting into the thing. And there's this point where in order to not sink. They go all boy with his finger in the holes at the dike, <laughs> and they're like, cover the holes! And they're all like going up. I'm like, you're going to die! Yeah. Someone's shooting through it. And then, of course, the more bullets come through. God, yep. that scene was one of the tensest things I've seen ever. Yeah, yep. because they can't. Yeah, they're they're sort of stuck, aren't they? They have to be in this boat, and at the same time, they can't go out of it. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, it's, uh, it's, just an ins- it's just insane to think about, like, that kind of danger you know it's an impossible situation it truly is yeah well Uh, and i love the reveal in that scene that the guy we've been following with the main character is actually german and is just trying to get off the beach well he's french isn't he he's french french because they call him a frog you're right sorry not german but not what he appears to be right Right. but you don't think about up until that scene the fact that he hasn't spoken Mm -hmm. because no one gives us so many scenes of them all the characters doing things without speaking Mm mm-hmm and you you kind of are lulled into thinking this is just the style of the movie, but then he pays that off because this guy has never spoken. Ah, uh, I thought it was genius. Yep. Yeah. That's an interesting thing to me, the whole mole thing, because I guess everywhere he goes, the ship that he gets on always gets bombed yeah. later. <laughs> and I don't know if that was like he radioed it in or if that was what was the deal with that? That was one thing I couldn't quite understand because the, the mole is on that on those ships. that Well, are the mole bombed. is the dock. What? I thought the, I thought they were talking about somebody who was infiltrating. No, I think the mole is is the the setting. It's the, the mole setting. Is yeah, that yeah, long yeah. Dock. Oh, okay. I just thought that that I just thought that they called him the mole because he he ran from because the the very beginning of that we see him run through that city. Yeah, and he and he says I'm French, and and then the French guy say something back to him that he turns and like, what did you just say? to me like almost and so i was like i was sort of started getting suspicious of him you're talking about the main character the main character oh interesting and and so i thought that when he got in there and he got he got into that onto the beach and they said the mole i was like oh so he's a guy who's that's an interesting yeah (laughs) so well i have until this movie i had never heard a long dock called a mole yeah <laughs> so i was thrown off for a few minutes i had no idea because and every time he went on every time that guy went onto a boat it got blown up that's yeah. true so yeah. i was like oh so this is a plan that yeah. these i mean because the the germans are like blowing up some stuff that just i mean you shouldn't blow up in in war yeah like you know red cross yeah. you know hospital no shit, boats man. and yeah. shit like that i was like man they just said fuck it during this during this part of the battle <laughs> and everything so i okay i have a new perspective on this movie <laughs> the only time the only reason i caught that was that that moment when the that first ship is sinking right by the dock and kenneth Branagh says we can't let it sink right next to the mole mm-hmm. And that was the only reason I realized. I didn't hear that. Yeah, that was the only reason I realized the mole was actually that long. Dock. So there's your there's your problem, Nolan. You yeah. had me thinking this one guy was a mole the entire movie Jeez, because of that. That's interesting. Jeez, now you have dogs. to see it again. Yeah, now I have to see it again. I want to talk about something else that blew my goddamn mind. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do this. I'm sure somebody has. Now that I say that, but the way he shoots that battleship at the end, sinking, where he gives us the camera perspective right on the deck of the ship 
Oh, yeah. But the ship has lilted to the side, uh-huh. even though the camera perspective is straight up. So the water rushing in is coming from the top mm-hmm. left of the screen at an angle. Yeah. yeah. And you get three or four different shots like this, and it was really suffocating. I've never seen anything like that in terms of, like, when a ship is sinking, usually you get one of two perspectives, under the water or, you know, the human perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. No, I awesome. hadn't either. It was really awesome. Yeah. Movie rules. <laughs> I do want to gripe about Tom Hardy's plane at the end. Oh it, yeah, it the, turns magical into the magical gliding. plane of wonder. <laughs> because he's he's out of fuel, he's gone dead stick, and he's floated over the mole, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And out of the picture. And yet somehow manages to not lose altitude, but maybe even gain it, yeah. turn a 180 turn and come back and shoot that German plane at the end before he then goes down dead stick over the beach. And I feel like that's eventually. Impossible. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does take for fucking ever. And I, I, I'm curious why, like, he makes some weird choices there. Like, he pulls his cockpit thing open. He's going to bail and parachute while he's still over Dunkirk Beach. Mm-hmm. That's the so-called friendly territory. Somehow changes his mind. Covers it back up and decides to float all the way into. I, I'm so in German territory now. I need to burn my plane when yeah, I land. Yeah, yeah. And just stand here and wait to get arrested. And I don't understand. That. I don't understand that either. I, at first, there was a, mu- a million different thoughts with that because I thought when he closed the thing back up, I thought he was just going to do like almost a kamikaze thing and fly into mm-hmm. German territory. But yeah, he lands the plane, and not only does he land the plane, we have to have another moment of tension where he's trying to get the landing gear down. And yeah. All that shit. Yeah. So now I feel really stupid uh, I, <laughs> about the mole, the thing? mole thing. No, it's, I, I, I totally get it. I wonder how many other people are out there had the same reaction. Well, if you use context clues, the sea, the air. Yeah. But it just says the mole first. Yeah. It so does. so and, and it's that guy that they're following. Yeah. And it's like uh, and, it, and he's he's separate from everybody else. <laughs> and he comes into the I mean, yeah, he's his guys get killed. Yeah, but he comes in and 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 then it says the mole, it's and you're almost like comical the opening with him though, mm-hmm. like him and his buddy just desperate to get off. They're like, okay, let's let's take a wounded guy and we'll yeah. infiltrate that line and get on that boat. And then when that boat sinks, and the guy on the dock was like, don't worry, everybody in the water, we'll get you another boat. They they just instantly dunk themselves into the water and yeah. come back up soaking wet. And I've I found myself chuckling a couple of times early on mm-hmm. at, because they're teenagers and they're just, they're just trying to survive. But the, the, the silent way they go about just trying to infiltrate and get rescued is kind of funny to me. Yeah. God damn it. If I had known that mole shit, that would have changed a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it would yeah. because I'm sitting there thinking he's a. He, I mean, he's he's on the when they start accusing the French guy of being a German soldier. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, how ironic! The guy who's next to him is the one who's the fucking German soldier. Yeah, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to see it again and retape the mini pod later? No, I mean you. I mean you can put my stupidity in. That's fine. Well, I'm sure you're not the only one that had that thought. Though. That's what I'm saying. I honestly, honestly, I never heard that before, and did not hear Kenneth Branagh saying they called this the mole later. You on. can't be faulted for not understanding some of the dialogue in this fucking yeah. movie, anyway. You but know? The, the, yeah. it's the way it was presented too, because at first you're still you're trying to figure out what the fucking time thing is. Mm-hmm. This is one week, one day, one hour. And then you're like, oh, the mole. And it was like, it's right after they show that dude's face. Mm-hmm. And and he's he's coming into this, like, you know, everybody's waiting on the beach thing. Yeah. And then suddenly every, I mean, 
I mean, I can't be like completely off base here. No, it Every, makes perfect sense. Everything that he does, every boat he goes on gets blown up. That's true. Every like yeah, it's, true. it's he's like, always in the middle. I'm of I'm sitting some there shit. going, okay, he's the mole. They're gonna find this motherfucker out at some point. And then they didn't, and I was like, oh, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do think we get a little too hero syndrome at the end with mm-hmm. the Tom Hardy swooping around to shoot that guy, and Kenneth Branagh's. I'm gonna stay for the French. Yeah. <laughs> like, give me a fucking mm-hmm. break. Okay, so let me ask you about this because I got chills, but I think it's probably too sugary. When he looks over and gets the binoculars and Kenneth Branagh says, you know, it's like, what is that? And he says, home. Yeah. And you Cheesy. get that that fleet mm-hmm. of common ships. But then that's the only time in this movie where you're allowed to take a breath. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, well, they're still probably fucked. But like, there's just this this moment of like, no, it's it, okay. it is both great and cheesy. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, we've heard that before. The whole home. Yeah, well, exactly. I actually thought he said hope and it gave me CGI Leia from Rogue One <laughs> flashbacks. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I didn't realize until now that he was saying home. Yeah. But what? Whether he's staying home or hope, it's a cheesy ass moment, but you're kind of thankful for it. Yeah, I mean, you got to have some moment of respite in this whole thing because it's yeah, it's an hour and forty five minutes, but it's nonstop, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Um, well, and those poor bastards, they're trying with that with that stretcher to get on that boat <laughs> yeah. for like ten minutes, and then finally when they get on, and you're like, ah, oh. and then somebody's like, you can't stay on that boat, come back over there, and you're like, ah. Oh, like, why did they go through all that? Well, and the yeah. funny thing about it is that, you know, starting off, because these bombs are dropping almost indiscriminately, like, mm-hmm. that's probably not the safest place to be. Yeah, there is exactly. no safe place to be. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a ship coming out of there, even though it's the Red Cross, like, yeah. that's, that, that's you're going to get fucked. Yep. Yeah. Um, a, a little bit more about Tom Hardy, too. Um, and I guess this relates to Rylance's character, too. They have a, a co- they have similarities. I mean, at the very first, at the very beginning of uh, his flight, they say, Go out to this point, but make sure you have enough gas to come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I think this whole thing, this situation, the and just the just the general uh, fucked upness of war and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people they're just like, look, this is a completely different situation. Yeah, I would normally try to save myself, but it's better for me. To go out there and lose all of my fuel and shoot down all of these planes, yeah. Instead of me going back and being safe, yeah. And he's, he's the only one. If, right. if it's not him, then probably another hundred thousand of of these soldiers are going to die. Yes. And like you have that moment where there's still another bomber that he's got to take down, mm-hmm. and that, that final bomber, and that's where he kind of makes that decision. Like, if I don't do this, everybody's fucked. Yeah. Now, I may be fucked, but. I can't fuck 200,000 right. other soldiers. It, it's a it's a great moment. Well, and it. it's done with almost no dialogue. Yep. Like it's all just watching his face, his and- eyes. Yeah. Well, he's <laughs> he writes down that last number that he writes down, and he just looks at it, and he's just like, you know, it's almost a shruggable type of thing where he's like, "All right, well, I've got that much fuel left. I'm gonna use it to do what I can." Yeah. Mm. And um and and Rylance is the same way. Like uh, I mean, he's he's being begged and pleaded by Killian Murphy to go back. You can't go in there at certain death. And he's got his two sons on this on this boat and everything. And he's like, it, this is a bigger moment than my sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's Think such a that. hard, I mean, what a hard decision, but in the end, an easy decision. Yeah. Well, you know? and they 
they hint at something with him, right? Like he was in the the Great War, or he has had another to, son that was in the yeah, war. Yeah, son was because there's a moment in the movie when one of the German planes is about to fly over them. Mm-hmm. Of course, this German plane is shooting at civilian yachts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Rylance is so goddamn calm. He's mm. like, "All right, go get this thing over here and wait for my signal." And yeah. right at the last minute, he turns the thing, and they avoid the strafing gunfire. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like he. He's been through some shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love and, that. He's wait until he commits. Yeah. And then yeah. that's when they start turning it and everything. And, it, and that was the, by the way, this was, that was one of the moments in the movie that got applause. What do you think about applause in movies? It should never, ever happen. It, applause was made for live mm-hmm. theater. <laughs> I know. I, I totally agree. I understand why people do it mm-hmm. because it's just like. It's almost like a, a moment where if you see something really, really impressive, like you'll just exclaim yeah you know randomly and some people i i get the 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 urge to clap but then you realize how ridiculous it is some people just don't realize how ridiculous. anybody who claps in a movie theater is a neanderthal (laughs) i'm going to go on and it was the same thing the 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 biggest applause that had happened before then was for the trailer for the last jedi and (laughs) wow that's like a five-month-old trailer i know i was like i was like so You've seen this trailer about a hundred times, right? <laughs> you don't need to applaud it at this point. It um, is a great fucking trailer. It is. Yeah. It is. But uh, I'm sorry to say that Ryan Johnson's not in the theater right now. <laughs> yeah. Thank he, you, movie screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I used to. My first real dealings with that was when in New York, I'd go to these. I'd go to these movies and like, like you know. In the movie, a lot of times people would just be. That was the first time I'd ever noticed like tons of people applauding, and I'm mm. like, <sighs> "It's crazy." Applause? And kids movies, kids movies happens all the time. Every end of a, a kids movie that I've seen in the theater in the last two years or so, mm. always applaud. That's different because I can understand a little five year old going, "Yay!" These are the parents. Well, <laughs> yeah. they're just used to doing it with their kid. <laughs> right, I'm yeah. saying this is not a movie you need to applaud. <laughs> Uh, but you know the reason for this Dunkirk mini pod today is to say that stop applauding during movies. <laughs> yes, it's a PSA. It's it's it's, it's really stupid. <laughs> Applause is for the people who are on stage. There yes. are no stages in movies. Yes. yes, no one connected with this movie knows you're applauding. That's right. Thereby <laughs> making your applause unnecessary. You know, in yes. uh, in Magnolia, where like uh, Philip Baker Hall has the heart attack, and and <laughs> like. Um, and like uh, he's he's like kind of struggling and everything. And uh, the the one the the guy with the headphones on, he's going over to the he's going over to the audience, and he's like he's like, hey guys, give us some applause. You know that's like food for the for the for the people on the stage and everything. <laughs> that's what that's applause is for. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else we want to say about this movie? It's good. It is good. It's very very good. I, I would think this has been a surprisingly good year. It really has. Now, granted, been. I've seen probably a third of the movies you two have seen. And I intentionally avoided all the clearly flaming turds like Transformers <laughs> the last night. But we're on a good run here. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man was good. War for the Planet of the Apes is good. This is good. But mm-hmm. back earlier in the year, Logan was good. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. good year. Yeah. Fuck last year. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. And then, yeah, you have Get Out goes in there, too. Is Wonder like, Woman. Uh, uh, yeah, Wonder Woman. I mean, it's uh, it's been an overall solid year. Like, I go, I'm, I'm looking forward to what's uh, the Oscar bait. I know, right? Me at too. this point. Um, what do you what do you what do you think of that Tom Cruise um, 
Manuel Noriega. Oh, fuck um, it. Uh, it's Lion for Greason. Lambs too. I I I had a friend. Wolf I had a, of Wall Street. I had, vibes. A, I had a friend. Yeah, this is getting a lot like that. I had a friend who really excitedly uh, texted me that trailer. <laughs> And I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, Kurt Cruz is definitely doing something different than mm-hmm. he normally does in this movie. But uh, every time now I've seen it, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not, it doesn't look that good. It doesn't look like, that good. Well, it just feels like a lot like Jack Reacher to me. Mm-hmm. Again, I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. But I don't- <laughs> Except he's the bad guy. He's... And I he's guess. got an accent. Yeah. I guess. He has right. an accent? Yeah, he's got I've a I've seen that little, trailer twice, and I didn't know he had an accent. A little bit of a, like a Kentucky accent. But... Yeah. You know, this is going to be obviously Oscar bait too. Dunkirk's mm-hmm. going to be there by the end of it. You're mm-hmm. going to have Best Picture nomination. Well, and Ryan's won recently. Yeah, for Bridge yeah, of Spies. Yeah, he won for Bridge of Spies. So he may he's, he may be on the cusp. He may get another nom- nomination. Yeah, he might mm-hmm. get one of those token nominations. Well, and he would deserve it. He he definitely deserves it. I'm just saying that for most of the people who are watching this movie, they're going to focus on Hardy and Harry Styles yeah. and all that, and and, and he. Like I said, that we've talked about it already, but Rylance in this does some work that you know is super subtle and mm-hmm. awesome, and you know it's the greatest sound in the world. Yes, <laughs> love that shit. So anyway, that's uh, that does it for our Dunkirk mini pod. Mini pod, Kirky pod. We all loved it, uh, even though I didn't understand about half of it. <laughs> 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 Really, just a third, I guess. That's gotta be so frustrating, man. I would be everything so fit. It was like a fucking puzzle. I know. It's well, like a- with Nolan, you're trained to look for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we all loved it, and uh, go see it. So that'll do it for this one. It's Chris Agnes and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. That was sudden. Yes, it was. He must have been holding that in for a long time. Yes. <laughs> Man, I saw the trailer for Triple Threat. Have you guys seen this trailer? Mm-mm. It's got Tony Jaw. The main guy from the Raid movies and some other guy who does mad martial arts mm. and then some American guy who does Hong Kong action films that I don't think I'd ever heard of. Mm. And I'm like, okay, you put all these people in one movie, I'm there. Then I watch the trailer and it looks like garbage. Really? It looks like it looks like a Fast and Furious movie. Hey. It does not look like the Raid meets Tony Jaw. It mm. looks like- That sucks. Garbage. Anyway. By the way, Transformers last night worldwide five hundred and fifty-one million dollars. That means wow. of the budget of two hundred and seventeen, and if you do the rule of thumb that it needs to make twice its money back to be profitable, it's profitable. But still, God, that's a huge damn. drop. Mm-hmm. And they have Bumblebee and thirteen other movies. The writers' room assembled came up with mm-hmm. for this Transformers extended universe. <laughs> Did you see yesterday the news that John Wick is getting a cinematic universe? Oh, really? Some guy wrote a chick assassin movie called Ballerina, and Lionsgate bought it, and they're going to turn it into a John Wick spinoff. Hmm. Isn't that what Atomic Blonde is? (laughs) Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> What's funny is I, I saw, uh, apparently the script is really good, and it's by like some 23-year-old kid, but it has shades of point of no return or La Femme Nikita. Oh. Like, oh, you mean just like John Wick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>